0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Gashrin Johan and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. I have a very exciting guest joining me on the show today. I am a huge pro-wrestling fan, so particularly exciting, uh, excited about this show. My guest is a Malaysian pro-wrestler, he is the founder of Might PW, which is Malaysia for Pro Wrestling, as well as APAC Wrestling. I am, of course, talking about the man himself, Ais Shaukat Fonseca. Welcome to the show, Ais.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you and talk about stuff.
1: (laughs) Ais, I want to ask you the big question that I ask um, all the guests that have come on the show, and that is how do you define success? What does it mean to you?
0: Um, Personally, the way I define success is um, by measuring small wins throughout the year so i'm a very goal oriented person and every single year i i set it as a term where i aim to achieve as many wins as possible and by wins is basically achieving or hitting goals that i've set throughout the earlier part of the year so this is not about all the petty new year's resolutions so on and <laughs> so forth it's actually like um uh, measurable growth for me uh, personally as well as business-wise So the more wins that I hit, the more I would consider it to be a successful year. But personally, I mean, overall, to me, being successful is when I'm in a position that I'm happy physically and mentally, and I'm able to pay the bills, feed my family and give them a comfortable life. And at the same time, doing things that I love without the pressure and the stress of the everyday world that is crushing you from the outside.
1: Mm. And I like what you brought up about small wins um, and, and setting goals for yourself. Does Do these goals center around um, money, um, other achievements? How do you um, categorize these goals? Is it a mixture of a few different things? Perhaps you can give some examples.
0: So it's a mixture of a lot of things. Like, for example, I double in a lot of different industries. Like, one, I'm a pro wrestler. And then second, I'm also a filmmaker, producer, and content producer as well. So... From what I would like to achieve personally, usually it comes to my physicals, which, which means that the body that I want to achieve. Because when it comes to pro it's a very visual industry right. where we have to look our best. So I have my aim every single year, like how many uh, kilos exactly that I want to put on every month, or how many pounds of fat I want to lose every month when it comes to the cutting phase. And then um, I would also want to learn certain aspects of uh, pro wrestling because it's uh, learning is a never-ending journey for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to filmmaking, uh, I quantify it by the amount of uh, production that I've produced. Uh, For me, the collection is nothing that I focus on too much, but more on churning out uh, the final product.
1: Right. Now, I want to focus more uh, you you do filmmaking and a lot of other things, and perhaps we can um, touch on those things as if they intertwine, right? But um, for the most part, I do want to focus on um, pro wrestling, your journey in pro wrestling, and as well as starting up uh, your own wrestling company. Do you remember when exactly you fell in love with the craft of professional wrestling, and also another point in your life where you figured, hmm, you know, perhaps I can make this into a career somehow.
0: I first fell in love with wrestling when I was four years old. I remember very specifically; it's very vivid in my mind. Uh, my brother used to always uh, rent out those VHS VHS tapes uh, from those rental stores back like then of right. WWF videos, right? So um, we would always watch together. The first time that I watched wrestling, uh, it was the match between The and Kamala, and the Cascade match. Right. So when I saw these two giants <laughs> going at it, uh, it's just something beautiful. It's a, it's a story all and, I kind of love and been a fan of wrestling and being a fan growing up the whole way. And I've always wanted to be a wrestler, Like even when I was in primary school, in high school, even when I'm, um, I'm studying in college. Uh, my main aim is always to be a pro wrestler. Then when I went to the film industry, I somehow doubled to the stunt industry as well. And in 2013, uh, I was already doing stunt for about, I think close to five to six years. And I thought to myself that um, I love wrestling so much and stance is almost the same as pro wrestling. So why not try to um, learn pro wrestling and try to open an industry here in Malaysia? Because there's no such industry in Malaysia. So what actually um, actually, uh, made me take the jump is the fact that I know there's a huge market of um, Malaysian wrestling fans. That are either closeted or open, but I do know for a fact that Malaysia has a lot of wrestling fans. So I intend to create an industry to tap into that, um, to that wants and needs.
1: What's interesting is right. Um, wrestling isn't, you know, the arts industry in Malaysia is already, you know, it's it's tough to break into. It's tough to make a career out of it, and all of that. Even music, um, filmmaking, and all of that. But wrestling is something that is so niche. Um, What more in Malaysia? How do you even dream as a child, um, as a teenager, of becoming a professional wrestler in a country like Malaysia? How do you even get the courage to dream of something like that? (laughs)
0: Um, That's the very same question that I've been asked. A lot of times, by my teachers and my lecturers and my counselors, were concerned about me because i um, <laughs> uh, Back then, they would think that um, it's an empty dream that I'm chasing, or it's something too uh, was too out of reach for me to be dreaming of. But I've never thought of it that way because, like, I do believe, like, um, uh, yes, although I'm born and raised and currently living in Malaysia but the world is huge. Like even though when I was uh, in my high school, I've already believed that the world is huge and there's a lot of uh, platforms out there. So I just start small here in Malaysia first and hopefully that I'll be recognized and be able to go out there. So it's just um, steps that I have to take to make sure that I get where I want to be. So that's the reason why I thought to myself, like, you know what? Um, And nothing is too big to dream of. Uh, until you know you, you know the steps that you have to take to be to bring yourself there
1: When you tell people like you, when people look at your Instagram page and all that they're like shout you know this professional wrestler it's, it's so glamorous it's cool it's, it's something you're living the dream that a lot of people um, have you know it's, a lot of people don't even dream of it they just see it as something you know that is completely out there they love watching it but it's not something they ever dream of becoming but you're living that life but Outside of the glamorous side, there's a lot of hard work, I'm sure, that went into it. Tell me about your journey, the process of, you know, taking your, you know, making you have that dream as a kid. Um, How did you translate that into reality? How did you learn the craft professionally, um, you know, and not just that, then come back to Malaysia, um, not just, you know, be a performer, be a pro wrestler, but, you know, start your own um, performing uh, 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 pro wrestling school. Um, talk to me
0: about that journey. So basically, um, what I did when I was uh, 23 years old, uh, I went to the States and then I learned, did a very short course on pro wrestling. Didn't learn much because, um, to be honest, three weeks is nothing compared to what you're supposed to actually learn to become a pro wrestler. Right. Uh, you are advised to train for at least six months before you are able to, you know, even perform at a very beginner level. So three weeks is actually nothing, but um, I felt like it was necessary for me to learn at least something. So I have some background to start my own school. So um, it was a very, very difficult step because um, to create something out of nothing, there's no industry in asia <laughs> I don't even know how the market is, don't even Right. anybody wants to be a wrestler. Then I thought to myself, like, if I had a dream to become a wrestler, I'm pretty sure there are many others out there in Malaysia who have the same dream as I do, but they don't have the platform. So it is my duty to create that platform and to give them the chance to become what they want to become. So what happened was in 2013, I used my honeymoon money that saved up with my wife. And I started up the first processing school in Malaysia back then. Right, and
1: what did your wife have to say about that?
0: (laughs) Uh, She's very supportive. Mm -hmm. of me throughout the years. Like even uh, when we were engaged all the way until now, like she has never said no to all of my dreams. And um, it's coming to fruition. Um, Like back then I had doubts, but she didn't have doubt uh, for me. Uh, she, She would always support me. So that's one thing that is something that I'm super grateful of with my wife. So, but, but uh, just to share with you that mm-hmm. we haven't even been on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> we you have two children right. right now. It's difficult to go on honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I started out of school and for the first entire year of running a school, um, I had only four students and it's crazy. And I charged them like a bare minimal price of only succeeding it because at first I just wanted to test Waters. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like uh, it's not enough to cover the rental, not enough to cover the uh, utility bills, so on and so forth. And then we just kept on training and I posted things online. And there's a lot of doctors and people who were laughing at us and made fun of us and our dreams. But we just kept on training and training and training until so one day we did a show. And that show was attended by wrestling fans. And then we uploaded the show online. And that's when people start to see that, wow, these kids can actually wrestle. These kids are actually serious, but they want to become a pro wrestler. So that is when um, our fan base grew exponentially, like from four students. After the first year, we had like uh, 14, 15 students coming in and then up to 30 to a point. So um, we just started growing, growing, growing in our fan base too and our shows as well. Um, what used to fill in like um twenty people to eighty people to two hundred to mm-hmm. two thousand, so it just keeps growing. And for me, seeing the industry grow um, from year to year, uh, kind of reminds me that that I'm doing the right thing. And right now, uh, I've already left uh, my PW, although it's my baby, mm-hmm. because uh, some several issues with my former partner because we don't see eye to eye in the uh, polls that we need to hit. So that's the reason why I started Apex Wrestling, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an Asia-Pacific-oriented-based pro-wrestling platform.
1: Right. What what were some of the biggest challenges um, you faced throughout your career in pro-wrestling, especially in the early stages?
0: The early stages, I think um, it's quite obvious. It's always a financial issue because um, it's either you... That you die down or you fight to stay alive when it comes to the first five years of running a business. So when I first started out the wrestling school, uh, first five years definitely wasn't making enough. Uh, it was me um, balancing seven freelance jobs. Uh, I do stunts. I do um, action directing. I do script writing. I do editing. I do a lot of things that I can, the most that I can do, uh, just to help uh, keep the school running and at the same time pay the bills and fit my family. So um, at one point it was very overwhelming for me because, you know, like struggling seven freelance jobs and then um, taking care of family and uh, trying to keep the school afloat. It's something very overwhelming. And at that point just felt like giving up. But then I thought to myself that if I were to give up, uh, it will also mean that I would give up the dreams of these kids who have already been training under me. So that's the reason why I kept pushing through and fast forward, like, seven years
1: later here. On the show with me today is Ais Shawkat Fonseca. He's a pro wrestler, the founder of MyPW, Malaysia Pro Wrestling, as well as the founder of APEC Wrestling. After the break, I asked him if there were points in his career where he just wanted to leave for perhaps a more stable job. Keep it here on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Ais Shaokat-Fonseca. He's a pro wrestler, the founder of MyPW, Malaysian Pro Wrestling, as well as APEC Wrestling. So Ais, starting a business is not easy, um, especially, you know, starting a pro wrestling school in in Malaysia. Um, Apart from, you know, the financial difficulties, did you also face a lot of, um, you know, people just asking what rubbish are you doing in the sense that you know in, in Malaysia you know I'm guessing if you say you want to start a performing arts school um, you will also be you know asked like 300 different questions by everyone like you say doubters but pro wrestling is something you know even more where the general audience already when we talk about you know, just their their perspective of it these days. um, People are just like, oh, why are you watching this fake stuff? And and so on and so forth. Did you get a lot of, um, did you have to deal with a lot of that? Were those some of the challenges you had to deal with?
0: Um, We faced uh, adversity from uh, netizens ever since we first started out. And it still happens until today. But uh, at first, like uh, when we first started out, it was very mentally tiring uh, because you try your best to um, do your best and then just only get put down by all these people. But then uh, I came to a point where I mentally uh, mature up and I thought to myself like, these guys uh, actually nobody's. So like uh, we shouldn't even listen to what they have to say, it's just their opinion because we have a huge pool of fans who are always supporting us, who are always coming to our shows, buying our tickets, buying our merchandises. So obviously we're doing something right These guys just, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, negative people (laughs) but trying to pull everyone else down. And also at the same time, I only focus on the words of important people. Like, for example, I'm connected to uh, legends in the United States. Like, for example, uh, Bukati, Sinbodi, Dr. Tom Pichet. Wow, that's really cool. And everything that we've received so far from them, the feedback has always been amazing. Um, According to Simbodi, he says that um, I've accomplished things like I've trained students to become very well adapted to pro wrestling, even faster than he could. Or um, Bukwiti says that uh, if I could become any more better, it would be something surprising because uh, my ability to coach is, is on a level where it's unbelievable. So when I hear words like this coming from actual legends and veterans in industry, who has been in the business for over 40 years, then it means more. It carries more weight to me. But when it's just um, fans online talking trash, then uh, it's to me, uh, I just brush it aside because it's just uh, some people wanting attention, and thinking that their opinion matters. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Certainly haters going to hate, right now, you know, when we look at, uh, you, you know the challenges that you faced um especially early on starting um starting up my pw and now um APEC wrestling and all um I'm I, sure you know things are a little bit um you know you're in a slightly more comfortable um pos- position now or state now um you can correct me if I'm wrong but what was it like in the early days um you know you said you had to balance like seven different jobs and freelancing gigs and all of that just to keep this passion afloat, uh, passion of yours afloat. Um, How was that? Like, what were the days like? And were there moments where you just felt like, you know, um, I don't think I can do this anymore?
0: Um, The third year, actually. I think the third year of uh, running my PW was the part when I felt like giving up the most uh, because it was just very draining for me. Like um, I'm always in my home office, like um, 12 hours of the day, And I barely get to see my, my family, even though they're just in front of the living room. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, it's always going out for meetings and meeting deadlines and chasing deadlines. So it's very, very stressful. At the same time, I still have to go for training and I have to teach and coach the students at the school. So uh, that phase, I was very, very down because, um, like I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel until, um, One day in 2016, uh, WWE sent representatives to come down and watch our show. So they sent the vice president of that relation as well as the creative director. And when they watched our show, um, the feedback was the same thing. They said that our standard of wrestling is as par as international standard. So that was when it kind of like, you know, like, light up the flame back in me like you know what uh, you're actually doing something correct so it's just a matter of <laughs> trying to last and watch it grow uh, those days when I was down um, to be honest I was like borderline depressed I think uh, I don't use the word depressed uh, easily because there are people who are actually you know like suffering from depression mm-hmm. and stuff but I would like to believe that I was very very down and just felt like giving up but you know like I'm blessed to have a moment where there's something that just lights me up again and gives me that that spark to continue on.
1: And um, at what point, um, you know, in this past few years, um, did it reach a point where you know, you could say, okay, I'm at a stage now where I don't need to do of seven different freelance gigs. I can pick and choose what I want. Um, I'm in a much more comfortable um, position. I can decline, um, you know, gigs and, and all of that. I can spend more time with my family. Um, are, are you in that position right now? And, and at what point, if yes, at what point did it, how long did it take you to get there?
0: Um, honestly, I would say that um, only in 2020, uh, during the pandemic was when I was able to finally you Know, like, um, release everything, just focus on becoming uh, on focusing on pro wrestling, right? That's like two years back, so that would be 14, 15, 15. it be like six years in, and um, that was when I actually decided to open up Impact Wrestling because um, uh, there was a point where for me, like I mentioned, like, I have, I'm always um, chasing growth, I'm always, um, I always have my own small goals that I need to hit every year. So there was a point with uh, my PW back then that I wasn't getting what I want. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't able to hit the goals that I want to hit due to the differences in opinion with my former partner who came in three years later um, after I started out for IPW. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason why I left. And when I opened up Apex Wrestling, I did everything the way I wanted to. And things decided to fall into place, which means that I know exactly what I'm doing. And now that... Things are getting right in the sense where we're getting in sponsors, we're we getting in investors. Um, that is when I can finally, you know, like, uh, I don't have to do all this work anymore. Now let's just focus on drawing pro wrestling.
1: You know, do you still at this point in your life still need to, um, is this, is, is pro wrestling something you can focus? I, I know you're passionate about various different things, right? But is this... Um, school of yours, whether it's APEC Wrestling, this, this uh, promotion of yours, um, can you sustain it? Are you in a point where that can become your centre um, when it comes to your career and, and all, all of that? Um, or do you, at this point, still need to, um, you know, take on um, different gigs to sustain yourself financially?
0: Um, Currently, APEC Wrestling is doing quite well, I would say. Um, besides the pandemic, I think the only thing that is stopping us from growing right now even more is the pandemic because mm. of- various deals in place which requires me to do events that's right. uh, and I cannot run it just because of the pandemic and SOP and everything so <clears throat> that's the only thing that is stopping us from going full blast but I would say that I'm, a, I'm in a position where I don't need to do anything anymore I can just focus on growing epic wrestling and doing pro wrestling but I just continue to do filmmaking because it's uh, one of my greatest passion as well so storytelling. How do you
1: measure growth? For some people it's it's money how do you measure that you're growing, um, whether it's an individual or, or your business, um, perhaps they intertwine? How do you measure it?
0: Uh, for me, I'm a very, very um, scientific and statistical person. <laughs> because um, <laughs> uh, for me, at the end of the day, it always uh, boils down to data. So when it comes to my personal growth, uh, I have my own journal that I write down every single day of the week where I would write down my strength gains or strength losses or my endurance seminar when I run on the treadmill. How many minutes do I do? How many steps do I take? Uh, how many calories do I eat in a day? Everything I write down in detail. And at the end of the day, I also check out my body weight and my body fat percentage. So I know if uh, it's going towards the right side, that means I'm progressing. It's growth. But if I'm dwindling down, my progress is not doing well. That is when I know. Because I have data and statistics, I know exactly what I need to change in order to get back into shape. And when it comes to the pro wrestling side, um, I quantify by both uh, monetary as well as um, audience growth. Mm. So when it comes to monetary, obviously uh, it's the amount of uh, money that we make throughout the year or monthly on a monthly basis. So the aim is to always try to make more than I did the previous year or uh, in this case, because it's only been two years. Uh, almost two years, sorry. And so it's almost been two years. Um, I try to track my growth in, by a monthly basis. And at the same time, I also track uh, the growth of audience on Facebook and YouTube. I check the um, views and I check the subscribers uh, week in and week out to see if there's improvement. And if there's no improvement, then that's again, that's, that's again when I know I need to step in and do something.
1: Hmm. Now, you're a... Pro wrestling, you run a pro wrestling school. What has been some of the biggest lessons you've learned from your students?
0: I think I learned a lot of things from my students in a sense where um, I used to be the kind of person who very uh people would say I'm um, kuasa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very OCD in a way, like I want things to be done my way no matter what, so on and so forth. And the way that I train everyone is very um, uh, army sergeant, like, you know, I'm very um, strict and disciplined because um, I've always believed that it would shape up character. But then throughout the years, I've met a lot of students and everyone functions differently and everyone has different mental capacity. And it's something that I need to respect and learn to work around. It's not everyone is able to handle the same stress as I do. Not well, everyone is able to handle the same training that I do. So I need to find ways to try my best and move around and manoeuvre everyone's quirks and personalities and mental capacities.
1: You say you are like a sergeant. I'm, and, and, you know, talking to you, I do get that feeling that you are a very structured person. Um, You, you write down what you want to achieve. You, you are based on data and science. You keep pushing. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you are, you are very, you know, you're very structured in that sense uh, and you're very disciplined in that sense have you always been this way or is, is it something that because you're doing a bunch of things that you love um, you know it just keeps you inspired I, I'm, I'm wondering that or has this you know this drive um, this, this perfectionist drive or you know just striving to to do better and better and better were you always like that were you like that in school as well um, when you were studying and all where did you develop this mindset from?
0: Uh, I wish I started out in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, at school, I was—I've uh, always been, you know, the the, the mind mind type. I would right. I would focus in class. I would always put in class, and you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a good student back then in, in primary school and secondary school. Uh, I was a loner as well. I didn't have much friends. Uh, I was just in my own world. I wanted to become a professor, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like academics wasn't a priority for me, unfortunately, back then. Um, but only in when I got into college, when I was taking my uh, diploma, that was when I it finally kicked me in the head. It's like you know what, um, you, got, you are an adult now. Back then I was only eighteen, but I considered myself an adult. Right. So it's time to get responsible. And that was, I mean, I I wasn't a bad student in the sense of grades. Because I think uh, I'm blessed with learning abilities, like I absorb things fast, and I'm able to memorize stuff. Because you know the Malaysian uh, education system is based on memorization. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm very good at (laughs) at (laughs) memorizing stuff. So um, when it comes to uh, exams, I am quite good with exams. (laughs) But only in college when I uh, that's when I realized that uh, it's time to back up and do and you know like properly have a structured. You know, like goals and things to do, things to achieve, like a short list. And then you could study and you to get this mark, so on and so forth. And I graduated uh, with my diploma, with a, a CGPA of 3.84, uh, Dean's List.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> but uh, I didn't use that diploma anyways because um, it was a diploma in medical lab technology. But right. I just keep That's it a complete 180 to what you what you ended up doing. It's, it's just a backup to make my parents happy, you know, because you know, like uh, Asian parents always wanted to become a doctor and stuff. Right, so something medical would keep them happy. What? What? What did? How
1: did they react when you tell? When you told them, you know, I'm going to I'm going to the U.S. to to learn pro wrestling, and then I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna start my own wrestling school and all of that. Like, wh- what did you? Was it like World War Three in your house or something? Um, how did their parents react?
0: Uh, not really. Uh, surprisingly, um, as I grew, they kind of see the passion in me. Like I used to do Muay Thai back then. Right. My mom was very much against it because I, w- I would always come home from competitions with uh, cuts and bruises. Mm-hmm. But I would still go anyways. And so she found, uh, she figured that there's, there's no point trying to stop me from what I like. And I at the same point, I respected their wishes that they want me to have something as backup to lean on if anything uh, fails. So that's the reason why I did my best for the diploma. So once I have it, and I told them, look, um, I did this for you guys. Uh, I have this now as a backup. So I'm going to pursue my dreams. So they were quite supportive for me.
1: What is your proudest moment as a founder of a wrestling company so far?
0: My proudest moment, uh, definitely. um, There's two, actually. Number one is uh, putting on a show with with almost 2,000 people in attendance. When was this? uh, this was back in two thousand and uh, I can't remember exactly which right. date, but I think it was two thousand and eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I picked out the curtains from backstage and see, look at the front and see all the seats are filled with fans and holding signs and chanting for our names, waiting for us to come out. So there was a moment when I know that you know um, I'm able to create something from nothing. There's no fans, only haters, <laughs> to a point where I can feel a stadium full of fans, and it's a very beautiful moment. And secondly, it was when my um, student, um, Nora Phoenix-Diana, um, she made it to the Forbes list of uh, the uh, world's most inspiring um, person under the category of sports and entertainment. And then she became viral and WWE superstars know her name and she becomes a global phenomenon for women woman empowerment. And to see one of my students become successful on the international stage is something very fulfilling as well.
1: As we wrap this conversation up, I want to circle back to something you mentioned at the start of the show, which is when you boil it down, your definition of success is happiness. That's how you see it. If you're in a place where you are very happy, then you are successful. Are you happy right now?
0: Uh, I would say I'm happy. I'm very, very comfortable with where I am, happy with what I'm doing. Uh, I'm able to pay the bills without any stress. and Able to uh, feed my family and bring them out for vacations, and uh, I have a good relationship with my students. And I think I'm in a very, very, uh, in a very zen place right now. <laughs> I feel quite, quite relaxed. Right now.
1: That's absolutely fantastic you here. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ayes. Oh, it's my pleasure. That was Ais Shawkat Fonseca. He's a pro wrestler and the founder of MyPW Malaysian Pro Wrestling as well as APAC Wrestling. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, BFM.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. You just have to look up Redefining Success. I'm Gatrin Johan, BFM 89.9.